Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by YYZ Translations. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk podcast show. I'm Sultan Ghaznawi, your host, and today we are going to cover the topic of managing more than one language services company with my guest, Lelani Craig. Lelani has more than 25 years of experience in the language services industry. She's an accomplished conference interpreter as well as certified court interpreter. Lelani started ComGap in 2000. ComGap is a translation and interpretation company that works into more than 200 languages. Along with ComGap, Lelani owns Global One Voice LLC, which offers medical interpreter training, language assessment, language classes, and compliance consulting. Lelani and her husband, Dane, own Leading Edge Inc. and Copra Group LLC. Lelani currently serves as vice president of the board of directors of the Association of Language Companies. She's also one of the organizers of the Silicon Slopes Localization Group, a member of the Utah Women Tech Council, and recently organized a Utah chapter of Women and Localization. In addition, she serves on advisory boards for the Global Chamber and for Lengo, a technology company. Lelani serves as a mentor and speaker for university entrepreneurial programs and frequently speaks for leadership and mentoring programs. In addition, she is a member of the Weber State University Foreign Languages Department Industry Advisory Board. Lelani received awards from Count Me In and American Express in 2004. In 2013, Lelani was selected by Goldman Sachs to participate in their 10,000 small business program. In 2014, she was chosen by Utah Business Magazine as one of Utah's 30 businesswomen to watch. In 2017, she was awarded Hispanic Businesswoman of the Year by the Utah Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. In 2017, Lelani graduated from the Stanford University Graduate School of Business Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative Program. Welcome to the Translation Company Talk Show, Lelani. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let me jump uh, right into the first question. Tell me about uh, how you got started working in the language industry. Was it by accident or was it a well-planned move for you? Great question. You know, the language industry tends to have two different types of people. Um, Either those who are linguists that decide to start a company or those who bought a company and they're just running it. In my, my situation is unique and not so unique. When we moved to the U.S., um, I was 12, and we moved to the state of Idaho. The right. state of Idaho back then really didn't have a lot of variety, and as far as variety meaning diversity. And the small town where we lived had just a handful of Spanish-speaking families. And we were one of those. The sheriff's office needed help um, with interpretation. So after hours and on the weekends, they would hire my family. At the time, I was probably 14 years old. And we would go to the jail and help interpret for the people who were incarcerated. And that was my first introduction into the language industry. That never occurred to me. I didn't grow up interpreting for family members. Um, We never had that need. 
But we did grow up as a family, my siblings and I, interpreting for the sheriff's office. So sometimes when I give presentations, I like to start out by, when I was in high school, I spent time in jail. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it always makes people go, oh. <laughs> That's an interesting experience. How long ago was that? Oh, Sultan. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll take that back. <laughs> a long, long, long time ago. But um, that was my first introduction. And my high school counselor actually took me aside and said, I know you're working with the sheriff's office. Have you ever considered becoming an interpreter for the UN? Oh. And that was the first time I heard about UN interpreting. You know, when you're 14, 15, you're not really aware of those things. And so that piqued my interest. I never did become a UN interpreter, but I did become an interpreter, a translator. I have done a lot of voiceover work. And eventually that turned into a business. I worked in-house as a translator. Um, I worked my way through the industry. So that's how it happened. You can say by accident or you can say life guided me in this direction. Or by demand. I guess there was demand for something you had and you didn't know that you had that expertise in you. Yeah, I didn't know it. But, right. you know, life guiding me in this direction is a little more romantic. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the, the exciting thing is that you have seen this industry, not just uh, from document translation uh, angle, but you've seen it from interpreting and, you know, a, a lot yes. of angles that most people don't experience. Yes. So since you started working in the industry, um, how have you noticed things changing? I mean, both on the interpreting and the translation side. Drastic change. I mean, just think of what I just shared with you. I was 14 years old sitting in a jail cell interpreting for someone who had been arrested. Uh, in today's world, people would cringe if they heard of that. But course, back, yeah. back then, the sheriff was thrilled to have someone who spoke the language help him out. So the industry has become more organized. There are certifications. There are laws that structure. are applicable. There is structure. We have technology. I feel like, you know, the, my, my grandmother, my abuelita, saw the evolution, the industrial evolution, and I feel like, I, you know, this is the, the language evolution in the last three or four decades. It's really changed. Actually, it is quite interesting to hear your story. Anyway, uh, let's talk about <laughs> the, the current situation. It, it, thankfully, it's a lot better than before. You, you are the owner and manager of two language companies based in the U.S. They're both in different geographical areas. Uh, tell me, how do you manage that? What are these two companies all about? Well, I have um, ComGap International Language Services. We provide translation, localization, interpretation, all the language-related services. And then I also own Global One Voice, which right. is testing and interpreter training company. And... It's basically the idea. I owned ComGap first. This is our 20th anniversary. And uh, Global One Voice was added because there was a lack of training and testing options in this part of the country uh, where I'm located. There are some large national companies, but they didn't quite meet the needs of the local market. And so I created something that helped my local area to provide testing and training to a local audience. 
and it evolved. And now we work with different clients in testing their bilingual employees, in providing training, anything to help with today's uh, standards in the language industry. Absolutely. And and both of these companies, they play different uh, important roles. I'm, I'm familiar with ComGap. And um, what are the top challenges you're facing uh, managing these two companies separately? Making sure that there is communication between the two companies since they do, you know, they do provide services that uh, lead to the same purpose. I wouldn't call it a challenge. I would call it something that you have to be aware of, be on top of, and make sure that everything is structured, especially this year with all the changes worldwide in how business uh, functions and how, you know, we had to make a lot of changes this year. So it was interesting to see that some of my planning beforehand uh, really helped. It, it served its purpose. So those that's probably in this year, that's probably the top challenge, managing the plan that we had already prepared ahead of time just in case of a disaster, and it worked. By challenges, I meant at a, at a personal level, like uh, for you in order to split your time between the two organizations and, uh, uh, you know... You mean, how do I clone myself? <laughs> <laughs> that's another way of saying it, yes. <laughs> how many Leilani's can there be in this world? <laughs> Actually, when you hire the right people and you set a plan in place, it takes care of that a large chunk of that challenge. I think my personal challenge is making sure that my personal time is also protected. That's so, an important one, yeah, because we don't yeah. get a lot of that uh, life-work balance. I mean, if exactly. such, such a thing even exists now. Yeah, balance is what you see as balance. There's not one standard. Absolutely. And and most of us are workaholics and uh, we think balance is just uh, going home at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, spending <laughs> no. an hour with the kids and then going to bed. <laughs> That's not balance, in my opinion. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I have a, a set time that I will work and I work very hard not to go beyond that time. Does it happen? Sure. But, and you know, when I stop working, I'm done with work and I will not look at anything work-related after work hours. Tell me about that. How how does your day look like a typical day for you? Like, what is in your day most of the time as an entrepreneur? Um, I wake up... I wouldn't say super early, maybe 6 a.m. And I like to, I have a routine. I have my morning routine is sacred. I like to have time by myself to do some personal reading and studying. And when I'm done with that, I have my workout time, which is, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I love to work out in the morning. You know, I find that if I don't do it, first thing in the morning it's really hard to fit it in That's because so yeah life takes over and then my day starts breakfast get ready for work jump into work once I'm working I work until lunchtime when I stop for lunch I stop work I put everything aside and I don't answer emails or take work calls I tell my staff I'm taking lunch and they know I'm gone and then I come back finish working and at 5 30 sometimes six o'clock um I stop Turn everything off and I'm done for the day. I have, you know, we all have other life's responsibilities outside of the office and it's important to take care of those as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
l- let's talk a little bit more about business. Um, sure. Let's focus on on HR and staffing. How do you handle staffing and managing people during, uh, the, especially during these challenging times? Um, well, you know, I have an HR manager, and mm-hmm. we when COVID hit, and we knew we had to send everyone home because we already had a plan in place. We sat down, looked through the plan that we had established for emergencies, um, and rolled it out. Set, you know, she manages our staff. We have weekly management meeting. We have weekly staff meetings. We have weekly department meetings. And I do one-on-ones with my operations manager to make sure everything's following along. Managed by the numbers. Manage according to each individual situation. When employees work from home, all of a sudden, their personal lives can creep into the daily work. Yeah. If you have children at home who are doing homeschool, that changes how that works. So we've had to have create some flexibility for some people so they can still get their work done and um, manage their personal lives. Okay, well, kudos to you. You've managed it quite well. How has the COVID situation affected your business in general? I mean, businesses, both of them. Has it changed anything dramatically or significantly for you other than people working from home? You know, when COVID hit, it reminded me of our previous situation. About 12 years ago, we had a large client that changed how they did business and brought everything in-house. And we lost a significant portion of business. And we had to take a step back and look at the work we were doing and what would happen. What I did 12 years ago was take the project managers who all of a sudden had no work to do and turn them into temporary salespeople. And we we hit the ground running, calling existing clients, calling potential clients. And within three months, we replaced all the income that we lost from that client. Good for um, you. I took the same approach with COVID. When COVID hit and many of the, you know, we do on-site interpreting, when many of the hospitals and social services offices closed down and on-site interpreters no longer were needed, we had to pivot and create new opportunities. So we did. We made, you know, reached out to clients. We made sure that they knew virtual services were active and we could provide them. But we also put a lot of emphasis on other services that clients, you know, lesser services, language testing, uh, language instruction, telehealth. We have a telehealth platform. We hadn't really pushed too much with clients because they were doing well within person. Some of our educational clients, we do a lot of e-learning and healthcare related, turn their focus to that. So we put emphasis in the areas where we could still provide services and it has worked. It's amazing. You Sometimes we don't realize that employees can do more than one task. They may uh, be project managers, but they can also do phone calls. They can also reach out to clients and do some account management. We turned our customer service into overdrive. And and that comes from good leadership, in my opinion. And, and looks like you, you've been in the driving seat and you've done a good job. So I, I know, Leilani, that you're very active and involved um, in the Association of Language Companies, or AALC. Mm-hmm. Your contributions are very well known and you've received uh, awards for them so i would like to acknowledge that and at the same time i want to ask you about what gets you motivated to stay involved uh, in in this area (laughs) i know the uh, alc they probably go oh no there's leilani again (laughs) 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 i i 
joined the ALC the second year after it was formed. So ComGap is a charter member of the ALC. What I quickly learned through the process of being involved is that one of the keys to doing business is networking. Of course. There has to be a relationship built with those companies that you consider to be your competitors. Um, you have to support each other and learn from each other and work together to improve the industry. If the industry doesn't have supportive companies, then it won't grow. And that was that has been a huge motivation. Uh, many I've worked with many ALC members together to bring on larger contracts. I have a assisted some members in building up areas where they needed help. I wholeheartedly believe in, in supporting other companies in the same industry. And that has led me to be involved in leadership and providing service to help further the industry, to work with uh, laws and lobbying and pushing everything forward because it improves all of us. It, it does indeed, it does. What is your view of the language industry as in general today? Do you think that there are opportunities for growth in the coming years that you can see? Oh, definitely. I see the language industry going nowhere but up. It will require people to adapt as technology evolves. So that's the way people use uh, language services. You see uh, an upward trend in that happening? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think there uh, there will be a lot of growth in the coming years. But like I said, a lot of that is technology, the way technology is used. And as technology evolves, you do have to have some foresight into how clients will utilize that technology. If you have software to do video interpreting and you say, okay, I have it, I'm done. You will probably reach a point where you will not grow anymore. You have to look at that technology and say, great, I have this. It works great now. How will this evolve? And how can I structure my company so as it changes and as it grows, we can change and grow with it. Absolutely. So the application of technology is as important as knowing the technology itself, like what, what it is. And unfortunately, a lot of people are right now not familiar with the applications of how to use things such as the new interpreting solution that came out that makes things easier for you. Right. So, so uh, that being said, let's talk about what causes stifling of innovation and creativity in our industry. Can you tell me what are some of the biggest prohibitive factors for innovation in the language industry? Um, when it comes to innovation in the language industry, if it's not being used, then it, it there's no need for it. Um, so I think some of the stifling factors are not the lack of innovation, it's the lack of application application and client education. If a client doesn't know how to use it or doesn't want to use it, is it going to go anywhere? Because the ROI is not there. Exactly. A lot of this has to do with who your clients are and how they apply it. I mean, you mentioned AI. There are language related apps and software coming out that utilize a lot of AI. And is there an application for it? Absolutely. And so when I have a client that approaches me and they are interested in that, I will take what we have available and see what their needs are and make it work. If you think back, you know, when machine translation first became a thing and translators were completely worried and freaked out, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my work, what's going to happen? And the reality is the 
that there is an, a need and an application for machine translation, and there are different adaptations of it that work. I, so, I, yeah, yeah, I agree know. with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why is it that so many language companies start with the wrong intentions? They see this industry or this business as an easy path to prosperity and don't look at creating value or the process of doing so. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a big misunderstanding, I guess. It, and, uh, I was, you said the right word, it's a misunderstanding. When that happens, it's because the person is looking at their point of view and not the needs of the industry. When you are selling a service, you're not taking something and telling people, you need this. You say, what do you need? What are your goals? And let's see what solution we can create to achieve that. And that's the problem that happens when you say why language companies start with wrong intentions. They're trying to tell people what they need versus trying to provide something the client really needs. A lot of people misunderstand the low barriers of entry into into this industry mm-hmm. as being able to easily become prosperous in it because yes. it's easy to set up, but it's very difficult to survive and, and to maintain that uh, the, whatever you're selling. And, and it changes very often. So it doesn't mean that if something is easy to sell right now, it might be the case in the next six months. So that unfortunately disappoints a lot of people who come into this industry. Oh, yeah, definitely. And just because you're bilingual doesn't mean you're a translator or an interpreter. There are many components that go into language industry that many people who are in the entry level don't understand. Let's move on. Globalization has opened the doors for international competition, which is a good thing in my opinion, Mm -hmm. especially in the context of what we sell as a service. It is a global product, but it has also resulted in misconceptions such as, hey, I can get this guy to provide the same language cheaper in country X, for example. Is that a problem with that type of an attitude? The problem with that is that there is no control of quality or, you know, it may not certain countries have certain laws that apply or that block the usage of some countries. I think globalization is an awesome thing. I love that how it has opened up the industry, the world to globalization, but there is a lack of understanding when it comes to quality. And I think that's the problem. The problem to me comes with understanding quality, not the fact that you can get something done at a lesser cost someplace else. Who doesn't want to pay less for a service? But with that comes the cost of understanding quality. And because uh, language service is not palpable, if I buy a shirt that has cheap fabric or cheap construction, I can tell right away. With of language course. services, if you don't speak the language, how do you know? Yes, it's, it's difficult, especially for the client who is uh, translating this this one document into 14 languages. Right. But, but how how do you respond to this argument nowadays? I mean, it's, it's thrown almost in every conference or every conversation within the industry that quality is a given. Everybody is expected to provide quality. We have to compete on time and on, on volumes for example. No, no, I disagree. If you don't have quality uh, processes in place, um, if you are not utilizing the, the right linguist and you 
know how this will affect your client. Uh, no, quality is not a given. It's something that it's part of the honor system. If you are not providing quality, then you're doing yourself and your client in the industry at this service. Anyone can promise quality. Quality is the big unknown. And the proof is in how your end client receives it. You know, there, there are websites that will list all the funny translations that they find around the world. And you think, you know, being here in the US or in Europe where the language industry is huge or in Canada where the language industry is very strong, uh, we tend to look at some of those and say, oh, that's because it was done with lesser quality. But the truth is that there are many companies in our areas of the world that are still doing poor translations simply because they're trying to be the cheapest. And to you, what does quality actually mean, Leilani? Does it mean the quality? of translation or uh, quality means that your translation is superb but so is your service so is um, the impression that the client gets the first time they say hello to your project manager what is actually quality yes all of that uh, from the moment the client deals with my project manager to the way their project is handled, to the quality of the linguist being used, uh, to the way the product is returned to them, all speaks to our quality. And if you are not working with companies that provide quality, then you will receive it. It just doesn't magically happen. It is a subject of uh, immense interest for me. And recently we had uh, Paul Doherty on the show and he talked quite a bit about uh, customer service. Right. Uh, that That's a big issue within our industry. And, and you just touched upon that as well. So I know these things don't happen by accident. They have to be very carefully designed. Yes. Tell me about the amount of work effort that goes into this and what type of thinking goes into building that uh, um, th that quality across your 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 uh, system uh, and overall, what type of thinking goes into you know design based on quality? Yeah, well, we built a quality assurance plan with very specific steps. The way a project is received from a client, it goes through a process. We have very specific steps where we file things, how we handle a file, a job that's sent to a linguist back to the client to, you know, including editors and proofreaders and quality assurance step. Every step of the work that we do as a company, be it translation or interpretation, has a quality step that must be met and documented. And that's really, it's a lot of extra work. But if you don't do it, how do you know? You will not. Exactly. Sure. Speak to me about the effort required to get such a thing off the ground and keep doing it every day. And there's effort on your staff's part, on your part, mm -hmm. to make sure that they follow all of this. Tell me about what type of effort is needed. When we were a young company just starting out, and I'm sure this goes for a lot of people, you follow the processes that you know. Right. You keep track of accounts you keep track of projects, you make sure that you're getting paid, just basic guidelines. Well, that as you grow and become a larger company has to grow as well. You have to have processes in place for everything. It's just a, a fact of sitting down, writing out a, a plan, uh, steps, documenting and having procedures in place for every part of your business. You can't just say, 
say, oh, accounting just still send something out when it's ready. They have a process as well. Project managers knows what's expected. We have software for them to use from project management tools to translation management systems to interpretation scheduling systems. Everything has a system in place and steps that are followed. Now, back to operating a language company, tell me how do you make sure you keep looking at the big picture? It is really easy for small language company executives to lose sight of that and get lost with the tactical nitty-gritty. Yeah, it is. When you're smaller, it seems like the work is differently because you do wear many hats. As you grow and you add more personnel, specialists, but not people who handle, you know, bookkeeping and and uh, HR and vendor manager. Then that changes. Looking at the big picture means that every department has to show their numbers and how they're handling things. The next layer of management looks at those reports and works with them. The next layer of manager looks at those numbers and breaks it down even more. So everybody has a role in keeping the company moving forward. And as a leader in the company, what do Mm -hmm. you do to stay away from uh, operational and and, uh, tactical activities? How do you delegate now? Right. Well, you know, I have this long whip that reaches everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I send everyone cookies. I have, you know, like I said, managed by the numbers. We have goals in place. We look at the numbers where we are, where we want to be. We look at customer feedback. We look at feedback from our linguists. The managers look at all the information. We have a certain level of expectation, not just for our our linguists and our office staff, but also for the clients. We want to make sure they know that we are offering this and that they are satisfied with it. I Mm -hmm. and I look at all those reports and meet with managers and operations. Well, that's a good way of uh, keeping um, your eyes on the big picture to make sure that you don't miss anything. Yeah, right. And I do have a business consultant that helps along the way. I provide training for the sales team. I provide training for uh, the different groups just so they, they can keep up with what's going on in the industry. We talked about technology earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we briefly discussed that. So what role does it play in both of your companies and how do you use technology? Where do you think technology can play a role, uh, a better role in your organization? Oh, man, I love technology. I have always been attracted to technology. Um, You know, there's a saying that the gist of it is that those who refuse to, uh, to use technology will be left behind. And I absolutely agree. No matter the type of work that you do, technology has to be a part of it. Uh, From accounting to project management to, you know, working with clients on individual needs. We have an engineer on staff who will create connectors for clients' content management systems. We use technology in every possible way. And, you know, so does everyone else. They just don't realize it. This small company that may not have as much technology they are still using uh, computers and dashboards and even smartphones to communicate Uh, technology is very much a part of our world even at home we have smart speakers and smart homes and robot vacuums 
you know, different things that we use where we don't realize technology is our world. COVID uh, brought technology even more to the forefront, Absolutely. Uh, especially with uh, VRI and uh, remote interpreting on phone. Yes. Um, right. So I, I'm guessing your company is using a lot more technology than it did last year. Yes. Are there any specific technologies that you're excited about that you would like to see more deployed across the industry? Um, I love AI. I think there's an application for it that we were at the tip of the iceberg. And I want to make sure that we continue to evolve as a company when it comes to AI. A machine translation for Spanish is doing really well. Many companies are using that even without post-editing and still having fairly good success. I think AI will creep into to interpretation even more and so we have to be ready for that and understand how to use it i'm a big ai fan just like yeah. yourself um that leads me to automation um i know you briefly touched on this but what do you think about ai and its impact on language service companies that are of the same size as as your company um well it's there if you don't learn to use it and include it and understand it, um, your clients will probably eventually go to a company that uses it more. There is an absolute application. And when you talk about maybe developing marketing materials, no, not yet. We're not there. Uh, many things that we do in the language industry uh, are human-powered, but AI is slowly making its way in and even smaller company like um, ours or you know everyone will need to learn how to apply AI even if I were a smaller company with four employees I would still look at AI and understand its applications and how I can use it to my benefit that that leads us to uh, I think the wrong notion in our industry that AI is stealing jobs. AI is... Uh, yeah, um, it's wrong. It is wrong. It, it, it's an emotional thing. A lot of people uh, have some sort of animosity towards AI. And, and right, they, they right. think that if they don't adopt it, they can stifle AI from, uh, you know, uh, coming from into happening. this industry. Right? <laughs> yeah, from happening. How, yeah. What do you say to them? I say sit down learn about it, immerse yourself, and understand how it's changing our industry and how you could incorporate it if a client needs you to use it, because it will happen. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Given that AI has so much potential, what are its immediate applications and uses for companies like ours? The easiest is machine translation, really, uh, for interpreting um, I mean, you can use it on the back end for some automation. I mean, that's a huge question. It depends on the client. But do you also see uses of AI, for example, in the areas of project management where definitely uh, yeah. you could automate so, so certain repetitive tasks, for example, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because I think most of the time when we talk about AI and technology, we are only looking at how we are creating the language or the translation. But what about the process of, you know, everything else that revolves around that? And that could be automated as well. Oh, absolutely. And depending on the software you use, that could already be be a part of it yeah and unfortunately i think there's not enough education 
about that. There's not enough awareness. And, and given our, our industry that's reliant on, on very few technology providers, we are at kind of at their mercy to tell us what's possible and what's not. There are a few people actually think outside the box and say, these are the solutions that we could have and maybe we should look outside the industry for those. Yeah, my localization team does offer some of those to our clients. I'm not directly involved with it, but I know that's something that is definitely used as part of the client solution. Uh, absolutely necessary. And I think that type of consulting will become more valuable and expected from language companies going forward. Right, right. Okay. All right. So let's talk about sales a little bit. How do you conduct sales and how often do you set targets and how do you measure them? It is one of my favorite topics again. And so please share as much as you can without giving away too much. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> um, well, you know, we have a sales team. They have a dashboard with targets and focusing on specific industries. And we review that weekly. Do you sit down on a quarterly basis? and talk to them about market segmentation, what what segments perform well. Oh, that's well, monthly. Is... Yeah, that's monthly. Okay, so you do that monthly. Yeah. And how often do you do you look at your service offering to see if you are you know doing well with the market or you need to adjust? Yeah, that's part of the, nor- the, the weekly process. They come with feedback. This is happening. How do we do this? It's a group discussion, um, individual uh, discussion. It just depends on the situation, but that's... That's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time or quarterly. You have, especially this year. This year, it's been a year of stay on your toes and make sure that you really understand the changes that need to happen to evolve with the needs of this changing market. I'm glad you mentioned this year because a lot of things have changed. We do we used to do a lot of uh, in-person um, networking and so forth. Um, so it's a good example of how you know sales has changed. What does it mean for you? Do you do most of your sales now virtually? Have you started building virtual teams? Has your target market changed because of the, the COVID situation? Yeah, there has been some shift in the target which is good i think it's uh, it's good to to see it from a different point of view and realize the capabilities are there to add a broader industry and yes my team has been remote for a while and this year especially everything is virtual we can't really do in-person sales calls this year so it's, i think it affected everyone not just yeah, uh, definitely. it's, it's uh, even outside all the industry industries too. yeah everything has changed so that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah. Let's talk about production. Uh, tell me briefly about how you build uh, and maintain a well-oiled uh, production engine uh, for your company, which is a project management team that you have. You need the right people to create value as this is the right. core, one of the most important core functions of your business. Yeah, yeah. Well, it goes back to having processes in place. If you have processes in place, then it takes the guesswork out of how do I do this? Uh, the team is trained and managers are keeping track of that to make sure everything is going the way it's, it's supposed to go. In today's world, you know, a language company doesn't have everyone in the same room. We're scattered around the globe 
but we still work together as a team. That brings me to my next question. Now, you have teams, let's say project managers in different countries, different places, mm-hmm. and, and we are in a knowledge industry. So if they need to know how to do a certain activity or task, where do they go for this information? Do they ask somebody? Do you have a centralized intranet where everything is documented with the process? How does that work in your organization? Yes, we do. We have an internal net with all the information. Everything is documented and processes are in place. And they have a manager that keeps track of their training. They have and meetings. And document whenever a question comes up that, that has not been answered before. So right. It, it becomes part of the process. Right, right, right. It's updated constantly. Well, for companies that are listening right now and they have a challenge with information structure and so forth, uh, they'll probably um, find this helpful. Because I've noticed that a lot of translation companies, they don't have a centralized information repository where people can easily go and search for answers to their questions. Oh, that's death. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have it centralized so everyone is following the same process. We talked about HR earlier, and this is a subject that deserves its own episode, but we will briefly touch on (laughs) it again. How many people do you have as a whole in your organization? I know you have a a manager who looks after HR. Uh, What are some of the top challenges with HR? that your company faces? Um, I think some of the challenges with HR comes with the location of the employee, uh, local laws, uh, different time zones, keeping track of everyone in different time zones and how they work together, finding a time when we can all meet as a team. That's today. You know, we do a, a, a company-wide meeting every Friday and catch up with everyone and just managing the individual with their own human challenges what keeps you up at night how do you (laughs) manage to deal with stress (laughs) (laughs) that's why i have a morning routine because i have to have that time when i just clear my brain do my workout and then when i turn off the company i turn off the company brain so i can clear my brain before going to bed and do you find that work becomes stressful at certain times of the year and do you think that there is a strategy that helps you cope with it i don't think it's a certain time of the year it's based on things that pop up uh, you know problems with a particular client or with a linguist uh, those are the things that bring stress but overall it's business and business will include stress there's really that's another thing that you have to know will happen if you're not good with change, then, then running a running. business may not be the something that you should do. <laughs> change is that, what evolves everything. Not only that, but I think that there are, it takes a certain type of personality to embrace stress yes. and turn that into, I guess, some sort of energy. It's true. Yeah. And you have to figure out how, how you do you, that. Right? Yeah. What advice, Leilani, would you give to uh, other LSE owners and executives today? Separate your work life from your personal life. It's essential. If you think you can't, then you're wrong. (laughs) You have to. You will go crazy if you don't. Do you think that um, physical activity has a role 
and in your physical well-being as an as an entrepreneur and since you are very active as a person uh, how would you actually recommend other people get involved in that too I find that everyone has to not only find their place in the world, they have to find their place in what makes them uh, run as a as a person. What makes you feel good? What what is it that brings a, a mental balance to your life? And for me personally, it's having different components. I have a, a business component, a family component, a physical component, and a spiritual component. For me, that's what brings some sort of balance into my my world. Everyone has to do the same thing. What's your place in this world and what brings balance to you? And when you figure that out and apply it to your life, then you will be more content. Because change happens, life happens, the world has crazy things happen, and you have to find that balance. You can still move forward and find peace and and contentment. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Leilani, for that. As we reach the end of our interview, if our listeners want to reach out to you for advice or doing business, what is the best way to, to find you? Well, they're welcome to reach out to me by email. It's Leilani, L-E-L-A-N-I, at comgap c-o-m-m-g-a-p dot com okay yeah. and i'm happy to answer questions emails i i think that's the beauty of the industry is that we help each other and i know leilani she is very open and she is very knowledgeable uh, obviously she's played an important role with alc in the past and she continues to be a leader in that area so leilani it, it was great talking to you and thank yeah, you for likewise. sharing your experiences and knowledge with us i mean i really really enjoyed it uh no this is fun thank you uh, well, I, I'm sure uh, everyone listening to you has learned something today as I did. I hope we can continue this conversation in the future and cover some of these topics in more detail. Again, thank Likewise. you so much. Likewise. Thanks, Alton. I'm here again with another product review segment. This week we will again review three products that are relevant for us within the translation companies or for executives and leaders within these organizations. The first product I'm reviewing today is Skype for Business. You can get Skype fee and everyone already probably has an account on Skype. Skype for Business provides more business features and functions. It is a paid service which comes bundled with Office 365. It is ideal for businesses that need to hold large online meetings share files and do a number of other things on a large scale. It supports up to 250 participants, allows up to 10,000 participants to view broadcasts, integrate with Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and other office applications, and it is compatible with Windows and Mac devices. It supports enterprise-grade security as well. I give Skype for Business 10 out of 10. The second product I'm reviewing today is HelloSign by Dropbox. It offers a cost-effective way of signing documents digitally. For an LLC, this can be helpful to sign client agreements, contracted documents, and so on. It has a user-friendly interface where you can upload your documents, design the template to be completed, and set up the steps in the workflow. It is especially helpful with getting documents signed and executed in a situation where physical distancing is to be observed. I highly recommend HelloSign and give it a 9 out of 10. The third product for review today is Adobe Scan Mobile. 
Available on iOS and Android platforms, this app allows you to take a picture of a document or an object for that matter and create a scan PDF from that right away. It can be helpful in scanning documents when an actual scanner is not available. Given how much we work with documents in this knowledge-based industry, I think this application is a handy tool in digitizing hard copy documents. I give this app a 10 out of 10 as well. That's all for today. I had a great time talking to Leilani Craig from ComGap. She's a very experienced and knowledgeable member of our industry and has been a great leader over the years. I want to thank her for her leadership and all the efforts she has put in to drive this community. I'm sure you found this conversation helpful and if you did, please share your feedback and comments. Make sure to subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a 5-star review. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.